Hi, I'm Dan Mac, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Facebook. Today's Wednesday, June 17th. Tesla registrations in California are down, prospects for a major league baseball season are a little bit up, and we're focused on why we still don't know who got hundreds of billions of dollars of coronavirus bailouts. Since early April, the federal government has lent out more than half a trillion dollars to small businesses that were negatively impacted by COVID-19. Trillion with a T. Some of those loans went to big restaurant chains or tech companies you might have heard of, but most went to what most of us think of as small businesses, uh, things like local hardware stores or bookshops, plus a slew of nonprofits. Even independent contractors like Uber drivers and DoorDashers got paid. But there's two things that all loan recipients have in common. First, their loans are forgivable, so long as they were mostly spent to keep people on payroll. Second, unless the business announced that they got a PPP loan, the public still doesn't know about it. Last week, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told people that he doesn't want the Small Business Administration to release the names of PPP loan recipients or how much they got. His basic argument is that such disclosures could put small businesses at a competitive disadvantage because it would kind of sort of let their payroll totals become public information. Congress isn't thrilled with this on a bipartisan basis. Republican Senator Marco Rubio has argued that at least recipients of large loans, maybe above a couple million dollars, should be disclosed. And today, Democratic Virginia Congresswoman Jennifer Wexton wrote a letter, co-signed by 34 of her colleagues, demanding that all loan recipient data be released. The bottom line is that this is not a fight over money. It's a fight over finding out where the money went. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Representative Wexton. But first, this. We're joined now by Congresswoman Jennifer Wexton. So, Congresswoman, this letter that I read that you sent to Secretary Mnuchin and SBA Director Carranza, is the purpose of this just transparency for the sake of transparency? Or if not, what would you want to do with this data were you to be able to get it? Transparency is always a great goal. But in this case, I really want also to see, you know, the demographic data of the businesses to which these funds went. Obviously, we're talking about $560 billion of taxpayer money. So accounting for where it goes is extremely important. But during the time of COVID, with so many minority businesses being disproportionately affected, it's extra important that we get that demographic data. So is it the demographic data you're more interested in than, say, the name of the business itself? No, we need full transparency of everything. So I think that, you know, I'm not going to assess which is more important because they're all important and they all should be disclosed. There's two things here, right? There's the companies that applied for PPP loans and got them and that information, which is what you're asking for. There's also this question of companies or businesses that applied for PPP loans and didn't get them, which would seem to speak to some of these issues about, you know, why so few, relatively speaking, minority owned businesses got them. Is that data you want too? And if so, does the SBA have that or is it the individual lenders, the banks that have that? Absolutely, we want that information, and the SBA should have it. Part of what we've learned from this program is the way that it's been administered. The SBA hasn't been collecting this information. They weren't even indexing the loans by taxpayer identification number, which has resulted in some borrowers getting double and triple loans. And we need to make sure that we don't make those same mistakes again. So the SBA needs to give us the information that they have. And they still have an opportunity to correct this. They are going to have to go through the forgiveness process. So if they didn't get this information on the front end, then at least we can get what we can through the back end. But it's really important that they gather these statistics and make them public. 
you note this in your letter that obviously we've never seen a program from SBA as large as the PPP program, but under the same section, the same statute, they've done loan programs before when there have been hurricanes, et cetera. That data usually gets disclosed on an annual basis, usually at the beginning of February in a giant spreadsheet that they basically put on the SBA website. Would that be enough for you, in other words, to wait until February to get this information, which is what SBA has done before? Time is of the essence. So we would like them to disclose this information as soon as they can so that we can remedy the problem and make sure that minority-owned businesses and other businesses who could have been benefited by this program are still able to take advantage of it. That's only two weeks, right? Isn't the application process expired the end of June? Well, we have extended the process for the PPP. And as long as that money is still out there, I think we still have some funds that have not been applied for. And I think we need to keep it open and less than until they're all used up. Is that something that you and colleagues are working on? Because again, my understanding is the application process goes through June 30th. What got extended was the ability to actually use the money before the so-called flexibility to use it. But if you want to apply for it, you can't say do that in June, start from scratch. Right. Well, we should be able to, I would hope, extend the period for application as well. Because remember, a lot of states hadn't opened up to the point where businesses would have even have been able to call back their workers and reopen to a significant capacity. So now that more and more states are reopening, more and more businesses hopefully will be able to take advantage of this program. Congresswoman, you voted for the CARES Act under which PPP was a part. Why wasn't explicit transparency written into the legislation so we wouldn't have to be dealing with this issue now? The CARES Act was was ultimately a negotiated exercise and uh, folks in the Senate didn't want this kind of disclosure. And we're seeing that now with Secretary Mnuchin's reluctance to disclose any information about recipients, Administrator Carranza's reluctance as well. So the HEROES Act does provide for much more robust disclosure and it's something that we will insist upon in the future. In the absence of data, what is your kind of hypothesis for why there seems to be this inability, or inability is the wrong word, harder for minority-owned businesses to get PPP loans? Even today, it seems, as you say, there's over $100 billion still available. What's your kind of working theory for why that happened? Well, I don't really want to have a theory and then find facts to support my theory. The issue is that we've seen disparities throughout the economy and Black-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses are impacted much more greatly. Maybe it's because of the lack of access to credit generally. But what we do know is that according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, their June working paper, although about 22% of small businesses may have closed forever during COVID among Black businesses, it's closer to 41%. That kind of statistic, when we're already dealing with racial disparities and the racial wealth gap, is really unacceptable, and we need to do whatever we can to address it. Congresswoman, as you know, Secretary Mnuchin's argument is that if you are a relatively small loan recipient, given that the PPP loans were explicitly based on a calculation of payroll, it's going to basically put confidential information about your business out in the public sphere, and your rivals will know how much you spend on people. Is that a valid concern, or is it not one you share? No, it is not a valid concern, nor is it one that I share. The 7A program has required this kind of disclosure throughout its existence, and these loans are built on the 7A program. And again, we're talking about $560 billion of taxpayer money. Taxpayers have a right to know where that money has gone. If we have lockdowns again, uh, if there's a true second wave of coronavirus, and if we need something like PPP anew in the fall or the winter or, God forbid, 2021, what's the main thing you would do to write it differently the next time around? 
I think that we would need to ensure that it is adequately distributed throughout the community. One of the only reasons that we have seen the uptake in small and rural businesses and minority-owned businesses getting the assistance that they so desperately need is because the Democrats in the House of Representatives insisted on that set-aside for my MDIs and CDFIs. So we need to make sure that we include more provisions like that, as well as technical assistance and outreach for businesses who might be able to be assisted by it. And of course, real oversight with teeth. (laughs) Congresswoman Jennifer Wexton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is accelerating GOP interest in dismantling, or at least amending, the legal protections enjoyed by social media companies. The latest comes from the Justice Department, which reportedly plans to propose rollbacks of what's commonly known as Section 230. This comes after Missouri Senator Josh Hawley put a bill on the floor earlier today to water down Section 230. The bottom line, so far, All of this is more bark than bite. The Justice Department can only recommend changes to Congress, not mandate them. And Hawley's bill is pretty limited, only requiring social media companies to operate in good faith and publicly detail their content moderation policies. Today, we're also watching Pepsi, which announced that it's retiring the 130-year-old Aunt Jemima brand and logo by year-end. You know, because it's based on derogatory racial stereotypes, as the company itself today finally acknowledged. And lastly, we are watching to see if we can buy John Bolton's book when it's scheduled to come out next Tuesday. The White House is trying to block its publication on national security grounds, although it seems unlikely to succeed. Either way, embargoed copies are already out there. Even Stephen Colbert has one. So we're going to find out what's in it, even if we can't purchase it. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Eat Your Vegetables Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.